Hey there, welcome to Streamed and Screened, a podcast about movies and TV worth your time, distributed by Lee Enterprises. The show is hosted by Bruce Miller, an entertainment reporter from multiple decades, who is now the editor of the Sioux City Journal. Say hi, Bruce. Hi, Bruce. Wasn't that what you wanted? You wanted hi, Bruce, <laughs> yes. right? Okay. I, I put it in quotes and you, you sent it right back to me in quotes. There you go. Uh, it's also hosted by Jared McNett, a reporter for the Sioux City Journal. I'm officially uh, reporting that uh, Pig was the only movie that got a nomination for Best Picture. Only one. They only used one Oscar nomination. Really bold move. It can totally be <laughs> nominated for Best Picture, but it has to be spelled P-I-G-T-U-R-E. Yes. And and me, uh, with the, the homophonic uh, humor here, is uh, Chris Lay, podcast operations manager for Lee. This week, we got a full slate of fun stuff to see on screens, both big and small along with some knee-jerk reactions to the Oscar nominations, which were announced just this morning. And we'll be bringing everybody up to speed on where you can catch the ones worth watching. Let me just say, before we get into everything, we've got to say shout out to Diane Warren. She's our, our nominee. We talked to her last week. We have been trumping her career for now 13 nominations. We are so thrilled she was nominated again this year and she has tough competition. Yeah, Bruce uh, interviewed Diane Warren uh, last week. So I will include a link to that in, in the show notes. Uh, the song is Somehow You Do from the movie Four Good Days, starring Mila Kunis and Glenn Close, which I think you can stream that on Hulu, I believe. And the song comes in the closing credits. So if you want to just skip ahead, you can hear the song. Yep. Diane Warren is the, the queen of, of this year podcast uh, for, for many years now. And um, yeah, we wish her the, the best of luck against a pretty stacked competition. Beyonce, come on, Beyonce. Links will be in the show notes where you can catch the movies that we're talking about. So I'll, I'll kick it to Bruce to start us off. This is going to have a theme. Just know it's theming. We're theming it right now. One of the Oscar nominees, several categories he was nominated in. Kenneth Branagh for Belfast has another movie coming out this week, Death on the Nile. And he's playing Inspector Hercule Poirot. And it's a continuation from his Murder on the Orient Express. Now, really, he's rebooting something that didn't need rebooting. It was fine first time out. He's doing it with this one too. And I think it's one of those things you might want to take a pass on. I'd go look at Belfast instead. I would as well. And I think Belfast is, it's not on any of the streaming platforms yet, but it's still in theaters in a handful of places. So most people can still catch that and go see it in all of its black and white glory. And a little color. There's a little color. And that got a Best Picture nomination. Best Director best screenplay so he and then it had a, several um uh, acting nominations so it's in the hunt yes yeah, supporting actor and actress i believe they keep saying that people love belfast it is a typical oscar film it should be one that's rewarded but what happens sometimes when you have these other stray films that come out during the voting period they can disrupt your your winning streak so if you have a real turkey which Murder on the Orient Express wasn't, but Death of the Nile could. So it could really delay that whole process of winning. I do think that Kenneth will win at least one of the Oscars he's nominated this 
year for. And I think it's going to be screenplay. That's just my. I think Death on the Nile uh, represents a really interesting uh, chance for uh, comparisons between uh, Kenneth Branagh just like completely uh, overacting and um, Gal Gadot not acting at all or emoting or conveying any kind of human expression whatsoever. That's a, it's a really interesting contrast for a feature length movie. And she has no golden lasso to help her either. No. <laughs> so that's one of the new ones that's out there. You'll see it in theaters. Um, look for it. it. It is what it is. So that's something you can see in the theaters. Death on the Nile, the Agatha Christie adaptation. I'll jump in and I'll say there is a new Steven Soderbergh movie that is coming out. And it's going to be on HBO Max, just like uh, the past couple of movies that he's done. And it is titled Kimmy, K-I-M-I, which is the name of a Alexa type listening device that uh, a woman played by Zoe Kravitz works for that for that company and ends up kind of embroiled in a rear window type thing where she hears audio that it that it picks up of a, a potential murder being committed. And then it, you know, she wanders down this rabbit hole of trying to solve it and then bumps into a whole bunch of you know larger conspiracy plot type stuff it seems like it's a perfect fit for steven soderbergh in a moderate to small budget kind of a one-hander with low expectations that is you know minimal production where he can just kind of get in bang it out steven soderbergh uh, of course is uh Sex Lies and Videotape and all the way up to every one of the Oceans movies and any number of other great films that everyone knows and, and loves and rewatches. So it's kind of uh, insane that he's uh, gotten to the point that like he's putting out so many movies now that I, I didn't even know that this one was coming. I actually legitimately don't even know. Is this the first one since the uh, the crime one that he did last year or was there one even between those two? Like it's gotten to the point with him where I, I don't know. <laughs> he did um, No Sudden Move. No Sudden Move. And then last year he also did, or it might've been just the tail end of 2020 actually, was the one that was on the boat. Yeah, that, that's where he's at though, which is kind of ridiculous. Like this far into his career, he's at the point where he's churning out like this many movies and that tight of a window. Let Them All Talk, which is the one that was set on the boat, uh, and mm. No Sudden Move is the, the crime one, both of which hit HBO, and those are out there. And then Kimmy is coming out this week, and then he has another Magic Mike movie in pre-production right now. So, Of course. Yeah, he's a guy who, despite having retired, quote-unquote, has managed to stay pretty busy. He's one who benefits from streaming because he can go and make a quick, film, get it out there, not have to worry about selling it a year later. So he is kind of made for streaming in all in every sense of the word. It'll be interesting to see where where his legacy is 10 years from now as far as streaming, because the movies that, that he's putting out on streaming are all very good movies and seem to be fulfilling for him, uh, but not exactly critically loved in the way that previously i think he he got love from the uh from the academy 
which I mean, speaking of, he directed the Academy Awards last year and they did not have him back <laughs> as director. Dreadful ending to the show. Just saying. I do think some of the stuff he's done for streaming because it hasn't necessarily gotten the same like massive amounts of critical love as like the Oceans movies or going all the way back to sexualizing videotape. I do think that kind of means that some of those are going to be more ripe in the future for like rediscovery and reappraisal and that kind of thing, especially something like um, Unsane, which is one of the uh, like iPhone uh, movies that he did that he shot entirely on a, on a smartphone. Um, that, that's one that I absolutely loved when it came out and it didn't really move the needle at all. But I do think it's one that, like I said, like 10 years down the line could be one of those movies that people really rally around. That or, you know, the other movie that he shot on an iPhone, High Flying Bird, which is on Netflix, uh, about the, the basketball agent, the professional basketball agent. And he's going back to Magic Mike, too. Mm-hmm. You can't predict this career. It's just happening. So, Jared, what's uh, what's jumping out at you right now? That's one that uh, I know I talked about on here uh, previously back in the fall. And I actually even got a, uh, a poster of it from the fine folks at the movie theater back in uh, Mason City when I still lived there. And that is a cop shop, which is really fun to say. It's a very pulpy um, crime movie with Frank Grillo and Gerard Butler, both playing absolute uh, scumbags. And basically the plot of it is there are two guys that are two like career criminals that are stuck in jail cells across from one another. Um, Frank Grillo's character is one that has like basically a hit out on him by like every possible crime syndicate in the area of uh, Nevada that they're in. So pretty much the entire movie takes place in this uh, county lockup, uh, kind of a, un or a relatively understaffed county lockup um, that kind of plays into the tension and the, uh, the drama of the movie and uh, I'm always a sucker for these almost kind of like chamber piece type movies whether it's you know the thing or the hateful eight or something like top shop I love people being uh, locked in a small area and not being able to trust one another and having just mayhem ensue I missed it in the theaters and I'm really excited to see how being on a on a streaming service which it'll, it'll be on peacock as of uh, this week, so that's a perfect fit too for uh, for Peacock, considering the other stuff they got going on. Yep, nice uh, action flick that hopefully will develop a bit more of a, a cult following. Well, Peacock. Speaking of Peacock, there's a series starting on Peacock. Isn't this? So the segues are just incredible, aren't they? Downright elegant. They'll be running Bel Air, which is the dramatic version of Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Will Smith has produced a, a different look at the series that gave him his start. And Will Smith, by the way, what is Will Smith today? Well, he's a nominee. Yep. It's like I'm putting together a pair of shoes for Air Jordan or something. It's a darker look, a darker look. I do not think it's one of those things where you go back and you say, oh, it's like Saved by the Bell. No, it's not. It's not at all like that. It's much more difficult to get a handle around. And if you were a Fresh Prince of Bel-Air fan, you may not like this. What would you compare it to that people do like? What, what's interesting is he did Six Degrees of Separation, which was a very kind of telling drama, and he was very good in it. And that's, that's kind of the, the tone where there's a little more to the story than just, you know, dancing around the house and making fun of people. 
So it, it touches all kinds of issues that we're facing today in society. But um, like I say, you have to be, be prepared before you go in that it's not your father's Fresh Prince. What's another show that started as like more of a sitcom from the past that would lend itself to like a more dramatic reinterpretation besides besides this one, do you think? What if you did uh, Sanford and Son? Yeah, that'd be a good one. That could be really dark. You know what I mean? Where it's like they're living in a garbage dump and they're selling crap. Yeah. That'd be fascinating to see what they do with that. Although I liked it as a comedy and it's probably very out of touch if I watched it today. Yeah, I think you could take any comedy and try and make it a drama. Look at what happened with the Mary Tyler Moore show. They had Lou Grant and then they made it a drama and Lou Grant was much darker than Mary Tyler Moore ever was. It was a way of taking a character and, and kind of changing it a bit. And I mean, you've got, you know, Baywatch and then Baywatch Nights, you know, and that's a real. <laughs> there you go. Right there alone. And then Baywatch the movie. Oh, boy. And now Pam and Tommy on Hulu that we got a episode four dropping uh, this week. So are you glued to it? I really enjoyed the first three episodes and I am really intrigued to see if they can keep the momentum up. I think they do from what I've seen. Yeah. It definitely feels like they, they've got a couple of different directions that they could go with it. And I'm optimistic, but so many shows these days just end up getting stretched too thin with too many episodes. So you kind of don't know what you're getting until you're way steep in it. This week, I got to talk to the cast and the producers of The After Party, which is a series on Apple TV+. And that had started out as a movie. Chris Miller and Phil Lord, I believe, are the two who were behind it. And they couldn't get it off the ground. Nobody wanted to do it. And so when they had the streaming world open up to them, they decided that they would make it more than one episode. And they tell each episode from a different character's perspective and in a different kind of a visual style. There's a musical episode. There's a, uh, you know, it's, it changes. So you're seeing the same story play out eight different times. One is even from the, the viewpoint of a snake, but you also learn something new. And yes, you can guess who the, the murderer is. So it is a kind of a fascinating premise, but there's one of those ones that didn't work in the real film world. And they decided, how can we fix this? They're looking forward to a second season now too. The story will be available shortly. I will make sure to include a link to that in the show notes. Yeah. Dave Franco plays this, this kind of what he calls douchey um, musician named Xavier, and he's killed. And you have to figure out who hated him the most and why they hated him. It's very funny. Very funny. He does. He, they thought that it would be kind of cool to do an homage to uh, Bohemian Rhapsody and some of these other biopics of, of rock stars. So they do the Hall and Oates story. And that's, he said, it was one line in the, in the script and we extended it to 30 minutes. And you said that's going to be on Apple TV? Apple TV Plus, it's streaming now. You can watch it now. I think you can get the first three episodes. Also coming out this week on Apple TV Plus uh, is a film called The Sky is Everywhere, which is based on a young adult novel from 2010. And it's directed by Josephine Decker, who I think kind of broke through with a movie called Madeline's Madeline 
a few years ago, which was her third feature. And then she followed that up with a Shirley Jackson biopic called Shirley that starred Elizabeth Moss that got a little bit of awards buzz, I think, heading into the season last year, but didn't actually land any Oscar nominations, but definitely got some heat. The Sky is Everywhere looks... I'm intrigued to see because it's Josephine Decker is a pretty staunch uh, experimental filmmaker from a formal standpoint, just from the, the techniques that she employs and the performances that she gets out of the, the actors. And this is also, uh, it's an A24 co-production, if that's the right descriptor, uh, co-production. And it definitely has a lot of those stylistic flourishes to it. The big names are Cherry Jones and Jason Siegel, who are in it, but in smaller roles. Now the tagline is live fearlessly, love endlessly. So we've got teens and music and coming of age and love and some weird stop motion stuff. So it'll be interesting, but that's on Apple TV as well. Something that does not have any hipster flourishes, Jackass Forever, um, which I know we talked about last week, but uh, now that I've seen it, like I said, can't recommend it enough. I genuinely have never laughed harder in a movie theater in my entire life than I did watching Jackass Forever when I went and saw it with a friend on Sunday. So there's your uh, endorsement for me for Jackass Forever. Don't you think that this can keep on going? Because they've kind of brought in a new crowd of participants. What do you call them? Are they friends? What could you even call them? Merry, uh, merry Band of Misfits. And they have a woman, too. First time I've seen a woman in the bunch. That was interesting. Rachel Wolfson. And she didn't get that punked. They're not punching her in places that they shouldn't. There's a sketch in there. Uh, where they basically have to endure like torturous stuff while as mimes and be as quiet as possible. She was pretty good in that one. I enjoyed uh, her in particular in that bit. And she got, was it tarantula Botox? Scorpion. Uh, Scorpion. Scorpion Botox. That's what it was. So, you know, I, I was surprised at how little Johnny Knoxville can do. You know, it was like, he basically was kind of standing as dad while everybody else was doing the hard lifting. And I thought Steve-O was like the same old Steve-O I remembered from the past, even though he's probably a lot slower, but he was game. I couldn't believe that he would say, let the, let the bees come out. And the bees were, they were there. They, they were there. So the approach that I've got to Jackass forever, I was texting with Jared about this. It felt like an encore. It was a Jackass movie for sure. But the absence of Bam Margera and all of the, the turmoil around that, plus the, uh, obviously, you know, rest in peace, Ryan Dunn, uh, he's out of the mix. And, you know, they couldn't really do a lot of the man on the street stuff that they usually do. And all of these new folks, it was a great movie. I had a blast. I, last time I probably laughed that much in a theater was probably Jackass 3D. But it just, it felt like an encore. And I don't mean that as a slight. I've seen great concerts that had, you know, fantastic encores, but it just, it felt like it was, you know, kind of a passing of the torch, but the, the jackass brand is sort of, it just feels like it, like it's dead. Like I, I couldn't imagine, you know, Johnny Knoxville taking another, you know, bull to the, to the pelvis anymore. So. Did you have a favorite trick? The one that uh, Jared mentioned 
with Rachel Wolfson having to do a bunch of, you know, crazy stuff and the, the mimes scenario, there's a moment where Steve-O realizes that, that he's just, you know, <laughs> I guess lost. And then like kind of clams back up and I don't know, it was just a, just a, a tremendous subconscious commitment to the bit that I was not uh, expecting. Steve-O was good as a mime, I thought. It was perfect for him because he actually graduated from, I think, Wrangling Brothers, uh, Barnum and Bailey's, like clown school. Like that's how he he got started. And so when I was watching that sketch, I was like, this is a perfect use for some of like Steve-O's unexpected talents. <laughs> what about you, Bruce? Well, the guy who was Godzilla. Chris Pontius. Yes, Chris. Yes. I thought he was underused. I thought he could do more than just that kind of thing. Because we got to know him as the guy who'd be willing to take his clothes off no matter what. But what else could he do? The people in the audience that I was in loved the wedgie. And they were like standing up and hooting. I have not seen that in audiences in a long time. If you stand up and cheer and laugh, I guess it's got to be good. Just getting to hear Johnny Knoxville say, I'm Johnny Knoxville and welcome to hell was one of my favorite things I think I've heard in a movie in a while. (laughs) If anybody has not seen Jackass and has any itch, go and do it as soon as possible. Because even though it's not really possible to, I guess, spoil the movie. Yeah, you're definitely just going to want to see it in in a theater with with people while you can, because the communal experience is extremely worth it. Are we ready to talk Oscars? Yes. Let's go ahead and talk Oscars. I am so bubbling over about this because, you know, you sit there. This is like I wait all year long for this. And I, when I don't get to see the Oscar nominations right away, I'm like freaked. I had them on my phone as I was walking around the house getting ready today. I had them in the car with me. I had them in an elevator and it didn't go out during the elevator, too. And I was kind of surprised that that happened. But um, the thing that's first of all, they had Leslie Jordan and Tracy Ellis Ross repeating the names and they were butchering them more than I do. So I felt very um, secure in their hands as they were announcing these names and could not get anybody from doing right. Just know that they were butchering them more than anybody did. The big surprise I think that we look at today is that all that campaigning that Lady Gaga and Jared Leto did did not lead to anything. The House of Gucci, not so good. The only award that either of Ridley Scott's two films, uh, The House of Gucci and The Last Duel, the only award that they are up for is, I think, hair and makeup for Gucci. And that's it. And that, it was good. House of Gucci didn't even get a costume award? <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe they just took off the rack, so they figured they didn't need to give them that. But uh, that was a surprise to me because I thought somebody there would have gotten in because they did campaigning like you've never believed. If nothing else, too, then like if Lady Gaga is one of your nominees, then you can get her to show up and like do a song or something, too. Like, so it is a little bit surprising from that aspect as well. Well, and the beneficiary of that was, I think, Penelope Cruz. She got into the best actress list and she probably wouldn't have if, if Gaga hadn't gone Gaga over trying to get one. And Parallel Mothers was a great movie. I caught that one about a week ago and it's, uh, that's got a lot of unexpected uh, turns to it. Yeah, I, and the one that they were all saying that was probably going to get dumped was Kristen Stewart, but she made it. So all of that backlash, and when she said she didn't really care about awards, they still put her in the list. So that's good to know. 
and we've got uh power of the dog got uh power of the dog did better than you'd ever think i thought it would probably be in the it wouldn't top the list it didn't get the most 12 and really i was surprised but i think a lot of that was they had um jesse plemons in there as a best supporting actor that was kind of a on the bubble thing and kirsten dunn's people have been really hot for her but i could easily have seen her ignored and out of the list and so that was fascinating but they did really well in the acting categories and then technically they just checked off the boxes and then the uh, some other netflix joints that are out there the the big one that i think has you've really seen the heat turn up on in the past couple of weeks is don't look up the Adam McKay uh, environmental farce. That had a lot of people who hated it, who said, Oh, it's the worst thing ever. I liked it, but um, I was surprised that it was included in the best picture. Same. And I was surprised it didn't get best song. I thought it might've gotten a best song nomination. That feels like one of those ones that is there in part, just to be self-congratulatory about if you are the Academy, you can be like, see, Lee, we're recognizing this like message-based movie and look and look how good we are for recognizing this message-based movie. So who do you think are the nine and 10 of the list? You know, they said that they used to be able to nominate eight or nine. And this year they went full 10. We have to have full 10. So there have to be two one or two that would really be lucky because they got in the list. So which one is that? I would say Coda, just because like I like in just more casual circles in particular, that's not a movie I've heard anyone really talk about to any extent whatsoever. I know it's gotten pretty good critical reception, but that does seem to be one that benefited in particular from there being a full 10 uh, nominations. They got Drive My Car, which went from you know, it would have been an international only kind of thing. And that got pushed up too. So something there. And you notice how um, the documentary, the foreign language documentary that was also nominated in animated and in, I mean, it's like in a lot of categories. Lee. Lee, yep. Yeah, look how well that did. But people don't talk about that that much because they don't even know the movie. And I want to say, Drive My Car, I, I also had that on my my uh like the bottom you know the one of the movies that benefited the most but now that i'm thinking about it i don't know one of the reasons that i put it at the bottom was because it's not going to win best picture but it's nominated in best international feature and the idea of any of the best international feature films being nominated for best picture in general automatically pretty much guarantees them a win for best international but Ryusuke Hamaguchi is up for best director. So maybe it's got more steam than that. You know, it's a three and some change hour movie based on a Haruki Murakami story that, that hasn't really been in theaters really hardly at all. And I don't know when or if it's going to hit streaming anytime soon. So you look at that five though, for best director, and that has to give you kind of a look at who has the edge. Who are the ones that really could win Best Picture? Because it's rare, rare. I mean, Argo did it to win Best Picture without at least having a nomination in the category. And so that gives us Licorice Pizza, Belfast, Power of the Dog, Drive My Car, and West Side Story as your top five. And I think that's about right. You know, I don't think there's going to be 
another one in there that would slip. Dune is not winning. Dune was nominated for more things than you could shake a stick at, but they're all technical. So I don't think that Dune is necessarily ready for it this year. When it's Dune part two, maybe, but I don't think it's gonna happen now. Costumes, production design, those kind of things, possible. I wanna shout out something that Bruce, you have, you called, you, you just flat out called it uh, last week. And that's Andrew Garfield with Tick, Tick, Boom, who uh, he's up for best actor, Tick, Tick, Boom, uh, watch it on Netflix. It is a sort of biopic about Jonathan Larson, the guy who ended up making uh, Rent and the, the early part of his career uh, and the an adaptation of the musical Tick, Tick, Boom that he also did before Rent, uh, directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda. He is really the one who can be the spoiler here for Benedict Cumberbatch. Benedict has been the one they've been talking about for the whole season that it's Benedict Cumberbatch's to lose. But I think there are a lot of flaws in that performance. And really, you don't see the flaws in Andrew Garfield's performance. Plus, you know, I always talk about how if you have another good film to help bolster you, it helps your chances because they could be voting for that. And he had the eyes of Tammy Faye, where he was very, very good and could have easily been nominated today um, for Best Supporting Actor as well. So I think he's he's my front runner at this point. But instead of, of him being nominated for Eyes of Tammy Faye, um, the the actor uh, from Eyes of Tammy Faye who did get a nomination, which I did not see coming at all, was Jessica Chastain, who played the titular Tammy Faye Baker. Um, I, Happy yeah. to be at the party. That's it. She is not winning. She is not winning that thing. So who do you? I mean, who who is your front runner for Best Actress, Bruce? between two at this point, um, because everybody was counting out Kristen Stewart. I don't think you can. I think she's still in there. Um, and I also think that Nicole Kidman will be in there. So that, that was one of my big surprises, actually, is that being the Ricardos got uh, any nominations at all. And the, the fact that they got one for Best Actor and for Best Actress, I was a little bit surprised to see it represented in that, like, esteemed of categories and supporting actor jk simmons yeah yeah they're all nominated at the screen actors guild and so we'll see how well that plays out but i you know nicole kidman is loved and she's in this hunt every single time it seems for something and she didn't embarrass herself as lucy <laughs> such a glowing praise no, but they were prepared they were prepared to have her be just awful and they wanted to her to be awful so they could beat her up. And I could see her getting Razzie nominations for it and everything. And she turned out to be good. And she got Lucy's voice perfectly. And she gave you a little dimension that you hadn't seen about a woman that you probably watched more than anybody. And so I think she could be your big surprise. And you know what? She will be one day somebody who was called two-time Academy Award winner, Nicole Kidman. If, um, if Olivia Coleman somehow wins another Oscar, is Glenn Close's head just going to explode? Like You'll want to, you'll protest. We'll protest because Olivia Coleman wasn't that good in that film and she shouldn't have, been, she shouldn't have two at this point. She really shouldn't. Um, the, the odd thing too, though, is that Judy Dench was nominated and um, she was never in the discussion for Belfast. I think that that's where it carries part of your your legacy with you, 
where you say, you know, she's been good all along. We liked her. We gave her one Oscar. She's one who could get two and she'd be all right. So she could be a spoiler in the best supporting actress category. Always look at those ones where you go, what are they doing in here? I didn't even think of them. That's the Marissa Tomei line. It's like, why was she in this list? Because she stood out. The rest of them were all British actresses that year that she won. And she was something different. And that could be the same thing here with, um, with Judy Dench. She could be the one who stands out from all the rest. One I was kind of staring at for a little bit longer than some of the other categories was uh, actually the one for original screenplay, because a lot of years, it seems like either original or adapted screenplay is where they'll really pick like a little bit more of an indie or like off the beaten path kind of um, movie to recognize. And so I was wondering if original screenplay is like finally uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's chance to win an Oscar for something um, for original screenplay for, uh, for licorice pizza. It could be, but then you also have Kenneth Branagh up against yeah. him. And that's, you know, it's like, it's, it's like they're paying their debts. That's how this whole thing works. And so you go, well, we haven't given Kenneth anything yet. We know that he's going to do, Paul is going to do another thing. We don't know if Kenneth's next thing is going to be another death on the Nile. So this could be his way. And it's his personal story. I mean, yeah, it is for Paul too, but uh, with this one, it's a little more touching and a little more intense, maybe. It also seems like one where if Kenneth Branagh wins original screenplay for Belfast, it could, you know, signify the rest of the evening. Same with Don't Look Up. If Don't Look Up wins original screenplay, then all bets are off, like down the line. And, you know, you just got to crumple up your picks <laughs> and throw them in the trash because it's, it's going to be a weird night. Yeah, I think they're going to be, yeah, I don't think Don't Look Up is going to get anything. I think it's going to sit there and they're just going to be, that was good. We gave one of those to them and that, and look at the number of people who are in that. If they all just voted for it, it wins something. I mean, that's that's one where if if they really wanted to turn it up, they could certainly glad hand their way into. I mean, obviously, I mean, this isn't the Golden Globes, you know, it's not like it's that much, much of a conspiracy, but it seems like they could lean on the star power to to promote this thing out there amongst Academy members. Uh, so and it's also, you know, I mean, Netflix. Something uh, I, I would note that we actually have not uh, talked about very much, and that's the fact that uh, one of the five uh, people who is nominated for uh, Best Director, which there definitely can be some uh, correlation sometimes between uh, Best Director and Best Picture winner, is uh, Stevie Spielberg uh, is one of the five nominated for, uh, for Best Director. And West Side Story almost kind of feels like the most obvious dark horse uh, candidate to pick like if you wanted to get like a good investment on a bet like that would be the one to bet on because your odds are going to be you know pretty good you could win some serious money on that and it's one that is not un or inconceivable that could win so. i think that that is the the perfect way to phrase it the it's got the the best odds to pay off uh you know scenario for for an investment and i mean it's one we've got time until 
you know, the actual, uh, you know, voting ends where if, if Warner Brothers wanted to, they could put it on HBO Max. They could, you know, get it out there, get it on any of the streaming services and let people see it because it seems like something that just not enough people saw it. And the dialogue around that movie when it came out was that it didn't meet expectations as far as box office. And that was really it. And then just kind of like the undercurrent was like, but the people who did see it loved it, loved the hell out of it. I, I mean, it really was I mean, outside of, you know, Jackass forever. I think probably the most enjoyable end to end time that I had in a theater so far, uh, definitely in the past three months, if not, you know, the past 12 months. So that's my two cents. I'm still, I'm still on board. I'm, you know, what's the, uh, H O D L what's the, uh, the crypto, uh, slang for, you know, hang diamond on. Hands. Diamond hands. Diamond hands. Yep. Gotta have those diamond hands. hands. Diamond <laughs> hands for, uh, Stevie Speaks. <laughs> uh, something else that was surprising to me, but was a pleasant surprise because we've talked about how good she was, uh, in the movie. It was really cool to see, uh, Anjanou uh, Ellis get nominated for uh, for King Richard in the uh, the Best Supporting Actress category because she's just as good as Will Smith is in that movie, and it was just awesome to see her uh, recognized for that. That's another one that I feel like HBO needs to put it back on the streaming service uh, as soon as possible. And yeah, you know, in that category, the surprise was Jesse Buckley. Jesse Buckley coming in like she was not in discussions. They always were talking Olivia Coleman, but they weren't saying, what about these supporting people that are in this? Could they be nominated? And I think this is an announcement that Jessie Buckley is an incredible actress and she needs to get in more things. She's doing a lot of stuff. Right now she's in London doing cabaret with Eddie Redmayne and, and come on. And I think she's lots of fun. She was in Fargo, one of the recent years at Fargo. She's done, she did Romeo and Juliet on PBS. She's been in a lot of stuff. She's good, but I, yeah, her buzz isn't there. And this is uh, The Lost Daughter. Right. Uh, Maggie, Maggie Gyllenhaal uh, directed, it's on Netflix. Um, and Maggie got nominated for writing. And I think that would be probably, unless they are, they're going full Olivia on this and giving her the prize, um, I would think the screenplay one would be their, their best chance of winning something. Maggie Gyllenhaal is is one that I, I mean, for them to put the lost daughter in, you know, three of the pretty big categories, I would have really liked to have seen Maggie Gyllenhaal on the best director list. Honestly, like above Paul Thomas Anderson, which it seems like, I mean, he's one where he's not going to win best director for Licorice Pizza and as as good as that movie was i mean that's if he does win for licorice pizza it's going to be like scorsese winning for uh departed, departed. Yeah. yeah you know it's going to be this you know cherry on the top of a of a career that he was otherwise overlooked for that's one of those categories you can call today it's jane campion she's getting it there is no ifs ands or ors with any of them as much as they'd all like to have it it's Jane Campion's to lose. So all she has to do now is make a lot of people mad and then she will. But I think until that happens, she's winning it. 
So I want to kind of winding down a little bit, but I want to point out um, that the best documentary feature, um, there are a bunch of those, about half of those, I think are available to stream right now. Um, on Amazon, you can watch Attica. On, um, on Paramount Plus, you can watch Ascension. And then on Hulu, you can watch Summer of Soul, which is Questlove's directing debut, uh, his documentary about a 1969 music festival in New York that time seems to have forgotten. And he does his best to bring it back into the forefront. And I, I feel like that's one where he's pretty, pretty easy money at this point, if you're going to be placing bets for Summer of Soul to win. Um, I mean, it's not like the Academy loves Questlove necessarily. They haven't had a lot of opportunities to, but I will point out he did DJ the ceremony last year. So, yep. And I think uh, also uh, Flea is uh, streaming right now too, or you can, you can, it's available to purchase maybe. Um, yeah. So that's another one you can check out from the comfort of your own home. If Quest was working it last year to try and get that attention going, what do we do for poor Glenn Close, who twerked last year? What do we do? She's got to be due for a um, honorary award. I I am so ready when when you hit ten nominations, you automatically get one. I think that has to be the rule. That's what you said to Diane Warren, and I feel like that's uh... Diane. Come on, honey, we're gonna get it. Yeah. I think we talked about it last last summer, I guess, when some of those got announced. But it is cool that um, Samuel L. Jackson and uh, I think Elaine May, too, are both getting uh, honorary awards. But as is usually the case with those things, it's really dumb and feels like a missed opportunity that neither one of them won like when they should have. So and the, and the same for Glenn Close at this point, too. And they could have won. They were just the victims of the whims of voters. Yeah. I could name you lots of ones that Glenn Close should have won. She really, the last one where she should have won the wife and Olivia Coleman won instead, she should have won that one. And Olivia has, she's already had like two more nominations. She could have won one of those easily. Could have won for Mima. She, she could have won for Mima. We didn't give her that one either, did we? <laughs> no. Well, any, uh, any parting thoughts here? kind of winding down and i'm sure that we will come back to oscar things as some of them come actually you know and hit uh streaming services between now and march 27th my parting thought uh is just uh academy award nominated coming to america there there's my there's my parting thought yep <laughs> coming to america uh it is nominated for best makeup and hairstyling yep incredible <laughs> I say what we're looking at right now, it's going to be a Belfast Power of the Dog Smackdown. That's what we're looking at. So see if I'm wrong. You can you can record this and we'll see if it comes back to haunt me. But I think those are the two that are going to battle it out for best picture. We'll have some harder, you know, prediction episodes down the line. And I'm sure that we will we will consult the the oracle of goldderby.com. Uh, <laughs> in the coming weeks but now we're just going to turn to Jared who's going to who's going to take us out 
I don't have a, a, a clever uh, anecdote for this one. I don't have any complaints either about my local uh, movie theater and the way that people handle their business. The Coca-Cola freestyle machine. That problem has been fixed. Uh, that person is no longer allowed uh, at that theater anymore. So instead this week, I will just say to go and see something good or uh, watch something good from the comfort of your own home. Yeah, and if that something is jackass forever, then you're doing better than, than a lot of other folks. Yes. And just remember, Jackass Forever will be up next year. Yes. Not this year. It had better be. It's going to have to pull off a uh, Lord of the Rings type uh, situation and have the, the final installment be the one that... <laughs> uh, so we'll be back next week with more picks and probably another interview that Bruce is going to be doing with somebody. Um, so make sure that you are subscribed to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we'll have links to et cetera, et cetera, in the show notes. So make sure you check the show notes. Uh, also in there will be ways that you can contact Bruce, Jared, and myself. Uh, the show is produced by myself, Bruce, and Jared, and I'm the one who records and edits it. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it and that you're taking care of yourself out there. As always, see something good. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs>